Hello. You are listening to Snapshot Studio special broadcast, Salamander. I'm Rachel Brooks. We are following the case of the murder of Alan and Georgia Clark and the suspected arsonist, their own daughter, Owen. An important update. In the past week since episode two aired, the state motioned to charge Owen Rose Haddad with murder in the first degree, and she's being tried as an adult. Our show and investigation will also begin following this trial, and we'll see what we can uncover in the process. In our last episode, we spoke with Bob Riker of St. Luke's Presbyterian Church and learned about Jay, Owen Rose Haddad's adopted brother and alleged lover. I still have not been granted access to interview Owen again, and due to the recent motion and impending trial, I may not get the chance, but my producer and I are working on it. We have also begun the process of looking for Jay. Jay, unlike Owen, was legally adopted as Jay Clark. Not only is the name extremely common, but no one seems to know where he is. The last public sighting and mention of Jay was at the church picnic four years ago, when he was beaten by Alan. I was unable to uncover any trace of Jay on social media either. The last lead I got from Bob Riker was the name of a family who knew the Clarks well from church. They were gracious enough to sit down and talk to me, but we'll get to that interview toward the end of our show. For now, I wanted to zero in on the camp that Bob mentioned in his interview with me, First Hope, a Christian teen recovery camp in the Caribbean. My producer looked into it, and the camp is now closed. But when she and I delved deeper, we found out why. And to our luck, found out about Jay. Join us on this episode of Salamander. Sorry about the mess. We're doing a floor change soon. No problem at all. Can I sit here? Yes, yes. Anywhere. You want something to drink? I'm fine, thanks. Cool. Through researching First Hope Camp, my producer Christina and I tracked down Wade Lancaster. It wasn't hard, to be honest. A simple Google search of First Hope led us to a few outdated forums and blogs, and Wade's screen name kept popping up in all of these postings. We contacted him via the email address on his user profile. Wade got back to us right away. From the cynical nature of his postings, we figured he had been an ex-camper. We were wrong. He's actually an ex-counselor. Wade is 36 and lives in Spokane, Washington. I flew there to meet him and speak to him. Wade owns Caffeine High, a coffee and recreational marijuana fusion shop inside a small shopping mall. He has blonde hair down past his shoulders, with a few dreadlocks, and a bead or two on each one. He wore a tie-dye shirt during our interview. Not kidding. In his online profile, Wade describes himself as a, quote, 
lapsed evangelical, to say the least, end quote. I grinned at the description when I read it, thinking he'd get along well with Tom. Like I said, his posts were cynical, if not vindictive toward First Hope. His writing online is very clear and concise, well thought out. In my first few minutes meeting him, Wade seemed skittish, spacey, sort of overly apologetic and scattered. But he was intensely excited to talk about First Hope, like his whole life had led up to this moment. Okay, so take me through your journey. You were a counselor at First Hope Camp for how long? About five years. And how did you end up there? After college, I joined a youth missions organization and traveled the world for a while as a missionary. Went to Egypt, Indonesia, several countries in South America. Wow, you've been around. I was really on fire for God at the time, zealous to share the gospel. Anyway, I did that a couple of years and then moved back to the States. I tried to adjust, you know, find a job, get back into life, but I felt off. A buddy through my church told me about a camp in Jamaica that needed some staff. It was a camp for troubled youth, run by missionaries. I was game. I wanted out of the U.S. So I applied, got the job, packed my bags, and flew to Jamaica. Oh yeah, here's this. Wade handed me a trifold brochure that looked like it was made in an old version of Microsoft Publisher. The First Hope logo was on the front, along with a picture of a beautiful island scenery. Inside the pamphlet was information about the camp, testimonials, Bible verses, and another picture. A large group of attractive young adults huddled together. They all wore bright yellow t-shirts that had the First Hope logo and the words Grace River Ministries written underneath. A younger, short-haired, clean-shaven Wade was part of that group shot, the counselors. Where your child can return to God and his forgiveness, it says. So kids were sent there by their parents or the courts or... Parents. It was sort of this scare you before you end up in juvie mission. So the camp took in kids who had minor offenses like shoplifting, getting into fights, <laughs> drugs... <laughs> I always thought it was pretty ironic that parents would send their kids to a camp in Jamaica as punishment for smoking pot. <laughs> but parents would send kids there if they were, you know, defiant, suicidal, falling away from God, stuff like that. So our training as counselors was strictly tough love. You know, be tough with these kids. Show no mercy so they can appreciate what they had at home. And hopefully, through prayer and therapies, live a godly life once they left. Therapies? What therapies did First Hope use? You read about the stuff I wrote on the forums, right? Just for our listeners who may not have seen it. Sure, sure. So, it was basically boot camp. The campers came in with very limited privileges and through work and adherence to rules... They could earn more. Wade explained that campers were all assigned as level one when they arrived. Level ones were not allowed to eat, go to the bathroom, or even speak at all unless given permission. They had to do their chores, their exercise, 
and attend all required camp activities. Once they got to level two, they could speak, but still had to get permission for other things. Level threes had bathroom privileges and a few other freedoms. Level fours got a little free time on the weekends, and so on and so on. But say like a four goes down to the boats without asking, which they can't do till they're a five. They go all the way back to one and have to start over. That was the other part. The campers didn't have names. They were referred to as their level numbers. I know. Holocaust parallels already. My job was to, like, get in their face. Be a hard ass. One! Where should you be? And then they'd have to raise their hand, and, and, and I'd be like, Permission to speak! And I'd cuss them out, make them do push-ups, scream at them. All that. Did you ever get violent with them? We weren't supposed to, technically. But sometimes I'd push them down or push them up against the wall and hold them there with my arm. Intimidation stuff. All the counselors did. We were encouraged to be mean to them. Break them down so they could be humble. One time... One time this level two was like, Permission to pee, counselor? And for no good reason, I decided to tell him no. And he asked again, and, and I said no. And he was like, I'm about to piss myself, counselor. And I was like, prove it. And he wet his pants. I did shit like that all the time. This sounds a lot like the Stanford prison experiments. Totally. Totally. I'm not proud of it. But it was my job. The counselors, we were basically training these kids to be warriors for God. So the camp directors were firm with us too. You know, it was horrible. It fucked me up to no end. After five years, it fucked up the campers more. Makes a lot of sense why they closed it. So you eventually left because of how the campers were treated? Yes. And then after I spoke out about it online, I was heavily harassed by the camp directors. They found out where I was working, called my boss, said that I worked at their camp and molested teenage girl campers. They called my mom and told her that. But you didn't sleep with any campers. Hell no. Look, I was a fucking asshole, but I wasn't a rapist. I'm sure other counselors did, though. I'm sure it happened a lot, probably. At this point, Wade took out a bong. You mind? Oh, uh, no, that's fine. You want some? I'm good, thanks. It's legal now. Well, I'm working right now, but thanks anyway. It helps with my anxiety. I get panic attacks if I dwell on the past. I needed to talk to you about a specific camper to see if you remember him. He would have been part of your last year. Jay Clark? Like I said, we never knew the campers' names. Just their levels and their offenses from home that got them there. Well, Jay was Filipino, 
and he was sent there by his adoptive parents for having a sexual relationship with his adoptive sister. Oh, shit. Yeah. The Asian kid. Yep. I remember him. What can you tell me about him? Well, I mostly led PT. Running, obstacle courses, fitness stuff. I saw him once in a while for that, but he was usually in the corrective therapy rooms. What are those? (sighs) Jesus. So, for kids who were sent there for being gay, or, in his case, for being attracted to his sister, the camp had corrective therapy, they called it. But it was really just a bunch of clockwork orange type shit. They'd put them in a room with a big screen TV, sedate them, and make them watch straight porn. Just for hours. Isn't porn supposed to be considered sinful in Christianity? Usually, yeah. In this case, it was being used for the greater good. For that kid, though, Jay, he also got some corrective therapy through stigmatization. What did that look like? They'd take him into the woods. The counselors would circle around him so he was blocked in. And we'd just start bashing him. Calling him a rapist, an incestuous pig, telling him his sister was going to become a prostitute because of what he did. It was brutal. And were you part of Jay's stigmatization therapies? I was part of one for him. That was it. What was it like for him? He was pretty stoic. He was a hard kid to break down. Very unaffected. Never saw him cry or even flinch. Pissed the counselors off that they couldn't crack him. After the shaming session I was a part of, I wandered into the woods and threw up. I'd been breaking people down physically for a while. But trying to break someone down mentally? Searching my brain for a more hurtful comment or a more monstrous thing to say to somebody? Like I said, it fucked me up. And it wasn't long after that, I was done. Done with first hope, done with missions, done with God. I thought maybe writing about my experiences online would help, but it doesn't undo anything. Right now for this show, we're trying to locate Jay. Is there any information, anything about him at all, that you may have noticed? Anything helps. I do remember. (laughs) This is weird, but... For the wilderness exercise. Basically, we left campers in the woods for a couple days with no food and very limited supplies. I remember that kid because while he was out there, he started a fire. He what? We didn't leave them matches or anything, unless he snuck some, but I don't know how. But yeah, we saw the smoke and headed over there. He'd made himself a fire. And not just a little campfire. It was a fucking bonfire. We never figured out how he did it. We checked him for matches, checked our kerosene supply. Everything was locked up. He got in all kinds of trouble for that stunt. Back to level one and then some. Did he pull any other stunts again? Never. He was still stoic, but he complied. 
got to level 10 and graduated early for good behavior. When I left Spokane, I called my producer right away. This fire thing, it couldn't be a coincidence, right? A week after getting home, I had plans to meet with Christina and go over my interview with Wade. Due to some technical issues, part of my recording with Wade got a little fuzzy at the beginning. I called his shop to confirm a couple of details that didn't make it on the recording and do some quick follow-up and fact-checking. Caffeine, hi. This is Darren. Hi. Can I please speak to Wade? This is Rachel Brooks from Snapshot Studios. Hello? Wade's... Wade's dead. What? He shot himself two days ago. Oh my god. Are you the lady who came to interview him for the radio or something? Yes. Do us all a favor, and never fucking contact us again. I honored that request. Later, I looked up the Spokane News, and sure enough, Wade Lancaster fatally shot himself at his apartment. He is survived by his parents and younger brother, Darren, who was the one who answered my call. Due to the nature of his death and his recent interview with me, I and Snapshot Studios want to apologize for any involvement we may have had. If our interview initiated any feelings of depression or hopelessness in Wade that led him to do what he did. And our thoughts are with his family during this difficult time. Though this investigation is far from over, I have been advised by my producer to take a short hiatus from this program so we can reevaluate things. For now, we are choosing not to include the interview with the Gunderson family like I said we would at the beginning of the show. This story has far more layers than we had anticipated, and we value every person who has agreed to interview with us along the way. As such, the well-being of our guests is top priority, and no journalistic investigation is worth someone's life. We will return in two weeks, hopefully with more clarity and insight. Thank you, listeners, for your understanding. Finally, if you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, there is hope, and there is help. Call the 24-hour National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. I'm Rachel Brooks. Thank you for listening to Salamander. Salamander is a production of Snapshot Broadcast Studios and Insapient Podcasts. It is produced by Jeff Baldwin and written by Ashley Dunstan. Please subscribe to, rate, and review Salamander on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook at Insapient Podcasts and on Twitter at Insapient Pod. Visit our website at insapientpodcasts.com for more information and show notes for each episode. While you're there, if you have any tips or insight into this story or simply want to say hello, click on the Make Contact link at the top of the site. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care of yourselves and always be vigilant.